0: hey good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you are scott luton here with you on supply chain now welcome to today's show hey we've got two wonderful guests here with us today as we dive into a discussion focused on ways we can help shippers and freight forwarders improve visibility ease inefficiencies, and, and reduce transportation spend and of course all of that a lot of times will result in better customer service right so stay tuned as we dive into these topics and a whole lot more with a couple of guests that bring a truckload of experience and expertise to the table. I wanna uh, introduce our featured guests here today. Join me in welcoming, first up, Ritu Rooney, Director of Product Management with E2Open. Ritu, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, thanks.
0: So nice to meet you here today. And you brought a colleague, Matt Anderson, Vice President, Logistics as a Service with E2Open. Matt, how you doing? Doing fantastic this morning. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Um, All right, so Ritu and Matt, wanna get to know both of y'all a little bit better. And we'll start with Ritu. So, Ritu, you are based in Liverpool and you are a big fan of the Liverpool Football Club. I'm assuming you go to those games and all, Ritu. I hear there's big, those are big affairs.
1: Yeah, big affairs and always great atmosphere there at Anfield, always brilliant.
0: Well, uh, I, I look forward to taking one in when we'll have to share a beer and a, a football game in the future down the road a little bit. But hey, for our music lovers that are listening, and man, there's a lot of them across the our global listening audience. Tell us about the cool site that you live near, Ritu.
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky, actually, living in Liverpool, home of the Beatles. So I live in a little village outside the city, and it's called Walton Village. And we're really lucky here because we have a lot of history of the Beatles here. It's where John Lennon and Paul McCartney first met way back in time Uh, I think it was 1957 or something Mm. Um, and they uh, they met at the local church fate here and uh, the rest is definitely history. Uh, I'm lucky enough to live right directly opposite John Lennon's childhood home so it's preserved as a national trust and uh, it's kept as it was in the 1950s so fantastic to look around you're welcome to come and have a look.
0: We're going to do it. Uh, now, I also understand you're going to be singing your favorite Beatles song later in the show today. Is that right, Richard?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't dare.
0: <laughs> well, great to have you here. Uh, thanks so much for sharing. Really cool. Uh, and switching gears, so Matt, you're from the Upper Peninsula of the state of Michigan. You played sports for the Grand Valley State Lakers, uh, both a track and cross country. So what is one thing that most folks don't know about competitive track and cross country especially at the collegiate
2: level yeah so if you think about college sports uh, there's uh, typically some pretty large competitive gaps between the divisions within uh, you know collegiate athletics you know division one two three and it's you think of the major sports you know a division one football team playing against a division two football team I mean that's not much of a competition typically there um, it's a little different with with competitive running, track, and cross country. There's not a large gap from a competitive perspective. So you know, Division two teams can compete with Division one. You know, back when I was running at, at Grand Valley, we you know competed heavily with with Michigan State and Michigan. And, and frankly, one of the better teams in, in the state of Michigan at the time was Division three uh, school, Calvin College, in, in, in the Grand Rapids area. So it's it's a very tight knit um, you know, community, and you know, there's not that competitive a you know, step that you see in other sports
0: so as a follow-up matt beyond business which I, i'm sure there's a competitive fire that plays in there but so as, as an athlete what do you do now do you still uh play sports i, mean, I still do remain active i still like to run occasionally you know, i think my body's worn
2: down a little, little faster than maybe uh, a typical uh um, you know was told to have the back of a 50 year old and so that those those miles uh you know take their toll but um, you know, still, it, once you kind of get into that space, uh, it, it feels weird not to be active. Right. So it's, that's, that's a, it's a big part of my life to stay active and stay fit. And, you know, it's just going to uh, evolve over time about what, mm. I, what I do to to scratch that itch.
0: All right. So after today's show, I'm going to have to get some tips from you about staying active and, and fit and being in good shape. So we'll, we'll save that conversation for later. For, but thanks for being here, uh, Matt. All right. So Matt and Richie, we got a lot to get into here today. Uh, and I want to start by, I think it's important to level set on, on both of your professional journeys, right? So folks kind of get a sense of who they're hearing from. So Ritu, you've spent over 30 years in the supply chain software industry. I'm completely breaking a rule. We don't go over 20 years here at supply chain now, but I've broken that rule in these conversations. Oh, the stories, I bet you could tell. Hey, <laughs> t- tell us about uh, what E2Open does in a nutshell. And then, of course, your role with organization.
1: Okay, well, E2Open is focused on delivering a comprehensive platform for end-to-end global supply chain. So it's a fully connected network and puts together solutions that are suitable for shippers, freight forwarders, logistics service providers, all focused on the software, but all focused on delivering solutions that drive customer value
0: and everyone everyone is is chasing after more and more and more value these days in these disruptive times so your role with an organization ritu you're helping customers realize that value i bet
1: yes indeed as director of product management i'm responsible for the tms solutions uh, focused on the freight boarding marketplace at the moment and making sure that we deliver solutions that fit the market handle the market changes which as you know are plenty at the moment and have been over the last few years mm. are always evolving always technology changing and making sure that we keep up to date and innovate as we go through and deliver value for our customers it's important that we we make sure that the software is high quality and also make sure it's easy to implement so mm these are the things that as product management, we have to focus on as well as functionality that needs to be in the solutions.
0: Yes, plenty of changes, good and plenty. Remember that uh, that terrible candy we all (laughs) got from the movie theaters back in the day? Um, All right, so I want to switch switch gears here. So Matt, your journey, you spent the last 12 years here at E2Open in a variety of uh, operational and leadership roles. Hey, tell us about your current role as vice president of logistics as a service. Yeah, so I
2: have responsibility for the last group, logistics and service. We we call it last, it's kind of our branded uh, name for managed transportation services. Uh, so we, we offer road and, and rail managed services, along with um, managed procurement services and analytical services. So everything from execution to helping our customers uh, procure, you know, freight through through RFPs and get the most out of the data and the the technology. Our you know uh, homegrown TMS. Mm-hmm. You know, our combined teams manage. Over three billion in annual transportation spend on our platform. Uh, and we also, you know, as I mentioned, provide that resource support from administration, TMS administration analytics and, and procurement perspective. Uh, you know, we we leverage our TMS uh in, in a very interesting way compared to our competitors. It's a shipper-focused TMS, and you know, the, the last group really started 17 years ago when you know shippers came to us and said, Hey, we we love the technology, but we're not gonna have uh, transportation management be a core competency for our business we want you to run it for us yeah uh, so that's where that's where Last started
0: and and just for our listeners benefit you know we love our acronyms uh across global supply chain Last L-A-A-S is what Matt is referring to um all right so we're going to shift gears Ritu and Matt a big theme for today's discussion is promises 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 so as I shared pre-show when I uh was putting this conversation together The song that instantly flooded my brain was this 1983 hit by Naked Eyes. Some of our audience may remember it because there's this line that goes, you made me promises, promises. All right, so I'm not going to be signed to any uh, (laughs) recording contract anytime soon, but I know for a certain portion of our audience, they know exactly the song I'm talking about. So companies everywhere, Matt and Ritu, especially shippers and freight forwarders, as we're talking about, they're looking to innovative technology and services to automate and optimize transportation activities across all modes and regions. They're looking to streamline their supply chain logistics processes to help them keep those promises they're making to customers. That's one of the most critical things we got to do is keep those promises because it protects the credibility and who we are uh, as as organizations, right? It's a big part of the culture. So on on continue kind of level setting with both of y'all What are the types of promises shippers and freight forwarders are making to their customers? And Matt, we'll start with you, especially from a shipper's perspective first.
2: Yeah, so I guess, you know, the level set a little bit uh, on kind of how to think about promises that, you know, shippers make to their customers. You know, many are high level um, focused sometimes on execution or really some sort of end result, some sort of metric. But they can also be pretty subjective, more based on really desire for a process. So that can really lead to a situation where you really need to better understand the clients and shippers' wants and needs and how those are, can be different. So as, as a provider of software and, and services, it is critically important that you separate the wants and needs, ensure that you, you deliver on the needs, because that's in the end you know how you, how you drive value for shipper clients. It's also important to understand and ensure that these, these goals that, that come from these promises lead to actions within the shippers organization. A lot of cross-functional activity comes from from those goals, and there's many stakeholder groups within an organization that will have influence on delivering that promise. Uh, so there's a lot of interconnected activities that uh, you know translate into how you deliver on promises to customers, and, and you know supply chain technology and a connected network and, and services that complement that can really help an organization deliver on those. So a few examples, maybe I'll dig into on you know, shipper-focused goals and, and promises to their customers. You know, the big one out there right now is OTIF, on time and full. It, that's more of the the former example I use, more of a desired end result, and it's typically pretty black and white, a very defined goal. Um, I also say it's more of a dictated promise that, you know, shippers make to their, uh, their customers. Uh, they don't really have a say in a lot of that, um, and that can lead to some large financial implications if those goals aren't met. And it's been you know, pretty challenging the last few years um, to deliver on those goals because this, uh, you know, the COVID situation and how you know, supply chains were impacted, you know, fluctuating customer demand and reliability of upstream suppliers and raw materials has really made it challenging to, to continue to, to meet those goals. And while you know, some end customers have been a little lax on the, the, the requirements recently because they understand some of the transit, uh, you know, the challenges that, that shippers have had you know, they're back to really having those high expectations now. And uh, so it's more important than ever um, because shippers can deliver on those goals. Uh, The other large goal we see out there, which is more process focused is is visibility. And it's one of those more subjective promises because visibility can mean different things to different people. Right. Um, You know, from exception management, you know, just, just tell me when something's going to fail to, I want to know where a truck is or a shipment is at any point in time. That promise more based on a process than an end result. And uh, what really can make this difficult to manage from a shipper perspective is that it can sometimes be a moving target, just based on what's happening. And it's going to require kind of firm alignment with you know between the shipper and end customer on really the who, what, when, and
0: why, and how to how to deliver on that. Mm. Matt, I appreciate that, and you're right. Uh, On time and full. That has become all, uh, a constant mantra these days, every day, every hour. Uh, Ritu, I want to add in, get you to add in the freight forwarder's perspective here. What are, what kind of promises are they making?
1: Yeah, well, I think they're similar themes to what Matt has just said. Uh, the promises across this whole supply chain uh, followed, do, do follow similar themes. But I think from um, a perspective of delivering, it's not just about um, on time and fall, the freight forwarders are more concerned about delivering responsibly and carefully for their customers so they are concerned about delivering environmentally sound ways of the cargo reaching its destination there, there's such a drive now for understanding more about the carbon footprint and making sure that that's included when you're using software systems to get you information you need at your fingertips to make those valuable judgments. A lot of our freight forwarders customers are actually making that a prerequisite especially now in Europe where there's government grants available for that kind of thing as well. They have a focus on that and they want the systems to provide the options not only to see what the fastest way of getting the cargo there is or the cheapest way but also the greenest way of getting something there so Facilities like a dynamic routing uh, option within a solution can actually help the user can see exactly what's, which way they can deliver that cargo to suit what's been promised to the customer. Matt was also talking about visibility. And one of the things that has come up for the freight forwarders is, is delivering self-service visibility to their customers. So they want us to help to deliver the option for their customers to be able to see for themselves where things are up to. And as Matt also said, provide the exception management. So not only do they want to see what they need to do something about, whether they want to redirect cargo or make some proactive decisions about uh, how to reroute something or change mode about of, of a shipment that they want to, to deliver. They can actually now go in and pin their favorite shipments or pin their most important customer shipments to actually then follow through on the promises that they've made whether it's even outside of their normal working hours people are always focused on making sure that the promises are met so they want access on their mobile phones and they want to be able to to follow up at any time of day or night
0: I love that and one thing one of the themes I heard in your response every too, is is you know options 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 are a wonderful thing as we're looking to meet these demanding promises and commitments we've made all right so I want to yeah. keep going here uh, so Matt coming back to you and you perspective and expertise, what should shippers be doing now to better meet these promises with their customers?
2: Yeah. I mean, these promises I mentioned need to lead to actions. So, you know, operationalize the promise into, you know, something tangible, something measurable and something that can, you know, warrants accountability, um, ambiguity around what the promise is and how it'll be measured is just, is the recipe for failure. And it's going to lead to dissatisfaction. Um, so it needs to be, you know, boiled down to something that can be measured and tracked. You know, as I would say, what what's measured is managed and what's managed is measured. Um, same thing applies here. I think taking a look at upstream supply chain goals as well, all the way down the line is, are other you know, co- conflict in those goals? And we, I've seen from time to time that, you know, certain particular area, of the supply chains or particular part of the execution of that, of that uh, workflow has a diff- different goal that uh, may conflict farther down. Down the chain, down the stream, and that can cause some suboptimal results. Uh, you know, a perfect example I've seen in my time is a warehouse staff that was held to you know, detention. You know, it's a, it's a common uh, metric to, from a shipping perspective. We want to reduce detention, reduce uh, you know costs there, but they were releasing loads half full, um, so there was you know just waste that was created from that. So, you know, understanding where these goals play off each other and where there could be conflict is important. You know, we had a pretty disruptive supply chain event with, with the pandemic and you know, we're, we're uh, you know, customer uh, consumer habits and, and buying habits change and how inventory has been managed. So, you know, evaluating the weak points that, that existed and what didn't fare well during the pandemic is an important thing right now, especially as, as Things have quieted down and a lot of supply chain leaders are maybe taking a breath, uh, taking deep breaths and saying, well, that that was rough the last couple of years. I'm glad that's over. Uh, Now is the time to double down and understand where were some of those things that were breaking. Do a root cause analysis. Is the root cause in the same area of where where the impact is showing up? I think typically we see a lot of the inefficiencies upstream and supply chain activities roll down and show themselves in transportation, and it may not be a transportation issue. Uh, so needing to understand where the issue lies and work backwards to find the root cause is pretty important. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, different functional groups, different stakeholder groups are going to play an important part in delivering on, on these promises. So to understand those groups, to understand their part of the process and, and how they can be measured. And so overall success can be measured um, is pretty important. And really all this kind of flows into you know, developing a, a longer-term go-forward execution strategy to not only handle the next disruption well, but but well, to, to keep those promises when the next disruption happens. It's not a matter of if, it's when.
0: That's right. Uh, curveballs keep coming. That's it uh, goes hand in hand to global supply chain. It's what we do, right? It's tackle and hit those curveballs out of the park. Um, and I want to go back to something you shared on the front of your response. And time I'm coming to you next and get your your take on his comments there, because he shared a lot. But the conflict and goals, that is such a great call out, Matt. More than ever. You know, we're never going back to pre-pandemic. It's long gone. So for folks, for a small percentage out there that are hoping and praying, and you know, that now that we're in the post-pandemic, it's gonna be the good old days. <laughs> folks, that's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. But how we can gain that golden alignment across the organization, upstream and downstream. That's how we can we can really uh, deliver faster. We can fuel innovation and we can really take hold of the art of the possible in a headlock and do more and really, for that matter, transform the industry. So Matt, what a great call out. Sometimes we put our own constraints on that as we create goals that make conflict ap- across the enterprise. Ritu, Matt shared a lot there. Uh, what, a couple of your comments there. What, what comes to your mind?
1: Actually you both shared a lot of good things there and I think it, it's one of those things where you look across the whole supply chain and you want to make sure that the promises that are being made are kept across the whole end-to-end chain. One of the key areas there is a promise that the freight forwarders make to make sure that they're following all the compliance rules that are there and also ever-changing today. So uh, an offering that the freight forwarders often make is to Deliver custom solutions. So a global customs offering is essential when trying to make a connected network across the whole supply chain. Mm. I think it's valuable that as a service that can be provided, but it means that that promise has to be kept. And so the more streamlined that the freight borders can deliver that service, the better it is for everybody in the chain.
0: Well said, Ritu. And and you know, it is so you know we're, we're talking about all these various promises and the expectations they create. And it is so critical that we protect our credibility and our brands and, and who we are as organizations and keep those promises, as you pointed out, uh, too I know that goes without saying, but man, in this, in, in this age that we're living in, and as fast as we're moving, and all the disruption and uncertainty, you know, at the core is keeping those promises we're making. Um, all right, so Matt. We're going to pick your brain more here. You've got a lot, to, you all both have lots of expertise, but in particular this next segment, Matt will get you to share four tips that will help shippers deliver and keep these promises they're making to customers. What were those four tips being let's start let's take this one by one. We'll start with the first one, Matt. Yeah, so I think you know technology
2: is is not just a nice to have anymore. It's kind of critical in terms of you know managing your supply chain and managing these promises. so fully utilizing a you know, proven transportation management system on, on a connected platform that it kind of works with in conjunction with other you know upstream technologies is really you know I think critical to optimize your shipments your costs your service your efficiency and is is the foundation for how you can deliver on goals and promises to your customers
0: yep and and you know one of the thoughts that comes to mind there is you know the islands of excellence has long been a been part of, uh, of industry, right? Uh, uh, you know, for a long time, part of the operational side, but what we don't want to do to, Matt, match to your point is create islands of excellence when it comes to technology and make sure all the platforms that we're using are well connected and play nice with each other in the sandbox is critical. Ritu, any, any quick comment there on that first one?
1: Yeah, I do think that's uh, essential. I think it's the whole way that things connect together is, is one of the focuses of E2Open and making sure that, you have networks and partners that all combine to, to deliver that whole supply chain end to end is, is really vital, more vital than it ever has been in the past.
0: Mm, that's right. All right. So Matt, first one was technology. No longer a nice to have, but a connected t- technology is critical. Uh, what's number two.
2: I mean, the, you know, how do you leverage that, that technology is, is, is also critical. And the way to leverage technology is through supply chain talent. And that, is you know, sometimes a challenge to get and, and, and keep. And so to ensure that you're getting the most out of the, the TMS, most out of the technology you're using and, and the rich data context it can provide, you know, consider an outsourced solution, consider managed transportation services. Now that's not for everybody, but you need to you know, evaluate your own organization understand, am I going to build this uh, expertise as a core competency or not? And if, if not, that's that's okay. That's why there's, there's services like logistics as a service out there to, to help with that. Uh, we can help, you know, translate promises into specific goals and actions and help drive the upstream change management required to get cross-functional alignment on how these the parts of these promises and goals kind of fall together. And so that, that, that's probably number two,
0: you know, critical. Yep. And I love how the beginning of your response there, it comes back to talent, right? Technology opens up so many doors for talent across a really global business for that matter. Uh, all right. So number three, Matt, get, let's keep driving. So we talked about the
2: technology and the talent and now it's you know how you leverage those effectively. It's, again, I keep coming back to cross functional upstream business processes and you know taking a modernized approach to that. So it's breaking down the silos, understanding the interconnected nature of how everything works together. And like I said, using this, this current, you know, transportation freight market down cycle to prepare for that next disruption. Like I said, people are coming out of a really tough time and maybe saying, oh, it's that's uh time to really clamp down on the budgets and and uh you know, maybe suboptimize short term because I'm being challenged. But now's now's the time I wouldn't say to you know go crazy from a budget perspective, but you know, uh, you know spend wisely and plan wisely because like I said, the next uh, disruption is right around the corner.
0: Yeah, well said, Matt. Uh Ritu. Um I love using the tougher times to get ready for the better times ahead. And and uh Matt, on the front end of his response of number three in terms of Uh, tips uh, for shippers, how they can better meet uh, these promises. Uh, Silo busting, one of our favorite phrases around here, breaking down those silos. Rita, your quick thoughts here.
1: Yeah, really important. That is one of the uh, key areas I think that everybody is trying to drive for. Uh, One of the ways in which you can do that is through the partner network. I think that's a, a really important thing, making sure that the systems that are behind the scenes Enable those partners to connect seamlessly, so that the customers get the best value without having to go to multiple places. Uh, I think that's much more important now than it ever has been, and that's what people are investing in. They're investing in the underlying technology that allows you to do that without having to take care of anything uh, in the background.
0: Well said, Richard. And you know, digital twins. Of course, we've been talking and, and acting and implementing on that for years now, but. Barriers and silos also have digital twins, you know, physical barriers, digital barriers, and more. You got to take all of that into, into consideration as we're looking for ways to help our team and our customers uh, succeed. All right. So we have tackled quite a bit here, technology, talent, breaking down silos, Matt, and, and using the tougher times to get, to, to get better, get better for the good times ahead. What's number four?
2: Yeah. I'd say as we look at the the first three, you know, they- Take a step back and think about—it's pretty daunting about all the the actions and things that could come out of implementing a technology and leveraging a team and and you know cross-functional. Hey, there's just, there's a lot to do here, and that's true. There's there's an awful lot you could be doing. So it's important to benchmark where you're at from a performance perspective uh, to understand what you should be working on. Uh, it's it's really hard to understand. as You're looking at all these metrics, all these KPIs, all these these goals to to say, okay, I need to get better, but where where's the where should I be spending my time? What's the biggest bang for my buck in terms of my, either my budget or my, my talent and my time? Um, you can do that with you know, benchmarking your performance against market
0: trends. So that, that's this important context to help focus your activity. Man, prioritization. What's old is new and absolutely critical again. Uh, all right. Appreciate both of y'all's perspective as we walk through those four tips on ways uh, that shippers uh, can, can help uh, shippers deliver on their promises to their customers. But wait, there's more, more promises, more promises. Ritu, describe some of the promises that freight forwarders are making to carriers.
1: Yeah, I think that that is another angle on this as well. Um, it's not just the the customer side of things, it's who you're working with. Also you're committed to in a lot of a lot of different ways. One example that I can think of is when you commit as a freight forwarder to a carrier for a contract making sure that you get a certain allocation of TUs, for example uh, across the trade lane managing that commitment and making sure that you deliver on that commitment you need help to do that because tracking that and uh, making sure that you're fulfilling it across your whole portfolio is a real challenge for the freight forwarders so if they make if it was one or two carriers that would be fine but because they're working across the whole supply chain they have multiple carriers that they're working with and they rely on systems to enable them to track all of those manage the allocations against them all and juggle the thresholds that are applicable across all of those so as the system can help you to drive where you should deliver your cargo, how you should deliver your cargo in order to meet your contractual commitments, as well as deliver the best service for the customers. It's a definite art rather than a science. Yeah,
0: that's right. And you mentioned the juggling act, uh, and I'm not sure what the word juggling conveys. But in my mind, what I thought about is the most efficient, most capable Uh, 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 juggling acts, Uh, freight forwarders that can manage their juggling acts with folks that can deliver on the promises and grow throughout uh, this cycle that we're in. Uh, All right. And of course, that juggling becomes more and more uh, technology driven these days for sure. Matt, let's talk about some of the promises. Well, first off, Matt, if you want to add anything to that, we talk about um, that freight forwarder perspective, but also let's talk about the promises that shippers are making to carriers. Your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, I mean, we, we
2: talk a lot about technology, and rightly so. But you know, it, there's still a lot of relationships that are are driving, you know, how how successful shippers can be uh, at managing their goals. And you know, from a, a shipper promise to a carrier perspective, and I think overwhelmingly, a promise they should be making if they're not is being a good partner. So, are are you are you driver friendly? Are you opening uh, the communication lines um, and looking for mutual success, continuous improvement focus? Um, uh, on both ends, you know, if we learned anything over the past few years, that like I said, relationships are still big, and both shippers and uh, carriers rely on each other pretty heavily, and it, those relationships have been really tested the last few years. Uh, and, and we saw both ends of of the freight cycle. And I think the the ones that are most successful um, in execution and, and being able to to meet goals to end customers are the ones that take that promise of being a good partner pretty seriously. And, and stick with those carriers uh, during
0: the you know, good times and, and the bad. Excellent comments there. And I, I, I got to just pull. I, I love how you mentioned drive being friendly to drivers. I mean, we can't lose sight of our basic obligations as humans. Uh, and you know, the, the other thing that that's part of that overall equation you're sharing there, Matt, is um, as we learned, especially during during the pandemic, it's really important to be a good customer. Right? really important because more and more suppliers, carriers, you name it, service providers, they're, uh, especially those that are able to deliver on promises, they're gonna pick and choose. And they're gonna remember those bad days when when uh, the customer didn't, didn't uphold their end of the bargain. So that's a great call out, uh, Matt. Um, all right, so I want as, as we start to wrap today's conversation, I wanna talk about some of your favorite stories uh, and experiences, anecdotes, you name it, as to how E2 Open is helping its customers find success in these very difficult times. So uh, Richie, I want to start with you. You've seen it. You've been there and done it through your time in industry. What's been one of your your favorite moments as you've been with the E2 Open team?
1: Wow, there's a lot of great moments. So um, I, maybe I'll just share one of the uh, more recent ones that we've we've just experienced. So uh, one of our key customers on the freight forwarding side has recently completed a global rollout uh, of the solutions. Um, we've. It's always challenging when you do a global rollout because you have so many different nuances across so many different countries. And no matter what people say, that's always a challenge, Um, not just from the software or tech side, but from people side, the culture side, the adoption, all kinds of things mixed in. But one of the successful things that we've just had is a a customer who has been able to roll out now even into, into China. We have lots of implementations in China, but this customer was facing quite a number of difficulties there with the adoption and it was really helpful for e 2 open to be able to provide local resources there and make software configurations there that would handle the local nuances and local specifics that have to be done when you're implementing in China, but don't have to be done around other geographical areas. What they were trying to do, this company, without naming any names, <laughs> um, they were trying to make sure that the promises to their customers are kept, no matter where they're delivering cargo. So the global standard that they're trying to implement has now been facilitated by E2Open by making sure that local specifics as well as the global standards can be adopted within the same solution. So that's a, a that's a real success for them because. They can now fulfill promises to their customers, wherever they are, whatever kind of cargo they're delivering, whatever time, whatever geography, it's a really important factor that, that's helped that implementation go really smoothly.
0: And we need things, more things that go smoothly uh, in this day and age, for <laughs> yeah, sure. we across we global too. supply chain. There's, really a, there's great demand for that. Um, all <laughs> right. So that's a great experience, Ritu. Uh, Matt, how about you? What's one of your favorite things? Uh, Points in time in in your journey with E2 Open.
2: Yeah, it's difficult to narrow down because similar to to 2 you know, a lot of a lot of success stories, a lot of good stories. Working with our clients on just explosive grow- growth they have with their brands, or helping launch new brands. You know, where we're we're tracking shipments that have a news crew waiting for. Uh, the, the arrival of the shipment. We've had that in the past, and then you know, just you know, more broadly, just helping shippers and our clients with you know, upstream change management that you know, we talked about a little bit previously. I think my favorite story was we partnered with a client to to help them, you know, decide through the data we have and the expertise we have on where to build their new product, uh, production facility. So again, this was an explosive growth that they were going through. And again, the goal was being able to service their customers better with, and handle that explosive growth. So you know, a lot was considered through the cost of the manufacturing of the product, the transportation costs involved, and, and indexing their the rates against market rates to understand what is the the most optimal location. So we, we helped them decide where to build that facility. Now, something that uh, because of the interest in the brand uh, at the time was was kind of a you know a wor- news story, and it was you know, nice for us to know that you know behind the scenes we were the ones that helped you know drive that activity and. and you know through data and our expertise allowed them to you know fulfill on really the end promise to their customers and delivering on time.
0: Matt, I love that. Uh, Rita, Ritu, you mentioned about the art and the science. I think you you mentioned that phrase earlier, site selection. Man, there is a mix of art and science, a whole bunch more than that. And I love Matt, that example because in my mind at least, as y'all, as each way open going above and beyond your your kind of core business to offer your expertise with this whole site site selection process, which is critical. Uh, So thank you for sharing that, Matt. Um, All right, as much as I hate to uh, kind of wrap up today's conversation, but we've covered a ton of ground. uh, I want to make sure our listeners know how to connect with each of you. So Ritu, I'll start with you. Uh, Ritu Rooney, Director of Product Management with E2Open. How can folks connect with you?
1: Uh, I would say LinkedIn is probably the best uh, bet really it's um, I'm not on Facebook but I am definitely uh, definitely on LinkedIn and uh, obviously through E2Open's website you can find all of us through E2Open's website and E2Open have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram the whole nine yards so yeah it's easy to connect with us uh, through through E2Open's platform.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us here today, Ritu, and Matt Anderson, Vice President, Logistics as a Service, the last team with E2Open. How can folks connect with you, Matt?
2: Yes, same LinkedIn. Uh, We have a lot of content on on E2Open's website, Um, E2Open.com. I am somewhat active on social media. I'm part of the the Facebook generation, um, so still involved there. Probably still have a MySpace profile floating around there somewhere um uh, date me a
0: little how bit Now you
1: all but... showing your age <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly
0: yep yeah. awesome it's just that simple well Ritu and Matt had a great time hey listeners y'all y'all heard that uh you know you can connect with them across social especially on LinkedIn and check out uh the e2 open website and that's uh e the numeral two open.com lots of uh, resources there all right well big thanks to Ritu Rooney and Matt Anderson with e2 open Ritu thanks again for joining us here today
1: yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having
0: us. And Matt, you as well. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed the conversation. I did too. And and hey, uh, I hope our listeners, folks, hope you all enjoyed it as much as I have. I had a blast here today learning a lot more about all these promises we're making out there in industry and how we can collectively uh, do things so we can, we can meet those promises more consistently. So critically important. But hey, hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss conversations like this one with Matt and Ritu. Hey, find us on YouTube where it's really easy to watch and listen to our shows, but whatever you do, most importantly, hey, take something that Matt or Ritu shared here today and act on it. Deeds, not words, that's the name of the game. And with that said, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton wishing you all nothing but the best